The Western Conference playoff race is underway, and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that every single one of these games could have massive implications on whether the Kings are a playoff team or a play-in team. Well, tonight the Kings got that race started a little more stressful than we would have liked, but with a victory over Victor Wembanyama and the San Antonio Spurs, we'll break it all down right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And I think I and maybe you as fans fans. We all needed the All-Star break as much as the Sacramento Kings did just to reset, refresh. I know the Locked On Kings podcast hasn't been coming out at the frequency that you're used to and that you expect. I took advantage of that All-Star break to, to get some rest and take a break from the Kings. Myself also doing other things for ABC 10 like covering the Super Bowl and things like that. Regardless, I'm happy to be back here in the Golden One Center. It's been a while since I've been in this building to watch Kings basketball. I wasn't here for that embarrassment of a Detroit Pistons game nor was I here for the win over the Denver Nuggets. Both those games I was in Las Vegas covering the Super Bowl. So it's nice to be back here, to watch Kings basketball, and to come into tonight's game and to come into the arena tonight recognizing the significance of these games, the significance of the playoff race, not wanting to take anybody lightly or any team for granted, period, but still recognizing that, look, the Kings need to absolutely win this game against the San Antonio Spurs. I think the, the the term must win is overused in sports. Like mathematically the Kings do not have to win this game if they want uh, if they wanted a chance to to make the playoffs. They didn't have to win this game or their playoff chances were done, right? But optics wise for the sake of me talking to you here for 30 minutes after every game if the Kings had found a way to lose this game to the San Antonio Spurs, I don't know if I could reasonably come up with any topic on this podcast to 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 really make the case that this Kings team was absolutely a playoff team. Now, when I say a playoff team, that doesn't mean that that making the playoffs by way of the play-in is not the same as being a playoff team, but the reality is the Kings want to be a top six seed. Right, they they want to go straight into the playoffs, even if they're not a top four seed, which means they have home court advantage in the first series. Who cares? Like, just get to the playoffs. Don't play this play-in game. Right? There's no reason for the Kings to want to play one or two extra games just to have a chance to get into the series uh, or into a playoff series where they're likely going to be underdogs. Right? Avoid that at all costs. The Kings had to win this game tonight, in my opinion. To, to, to get off on the right start because I think it's going to take a not necessarily a Herculean effort but I think it's going to take the best of the Sacramento Kings or close to the best of the Sacramento Kings to get to a top six spot 
even though they're very close, the race is super tight. They're only like half a game or a game back of that sixth spot. It's still going to be tough with the amount of teams in the West that are also fighting for those spots. We'll get into that more in a little bit. Tonight's win, it's good, right? Of course it's good, obviously. Like to, to have the beam lit, to beat the San Antonio Spurs, to start this race with a win, to build off of the win that you had uh, in Denver against the Nuggets before the All-Star break, like really, really solid. The Kings are back uh, to, to nine games above 500. Awesome. It was more stressful than I think any of us would have liked, right? This game was setting up for the Kings to lose in such a similar fashion to ways that they have lost this season against bad teams. And we'll get we'll get into that. Like ultimately mission accomplished, but Sacramento's inability especially at home to pull away and to put opponents away, especially bad opponents. It's perplexing. It's confusing, right? The Kings win 127-122. to Their largest lead was 11 points. They went on a barrage late in the third quarter to kind of build that 11-point lead up, but really quickly the Spurs cut it right back down. The Spurs actually took a lead with a couple minutes remaining in this game, and everybody in this arena was groaning, thinking, oh, God, here we go again. It's Charlotte. It's Detroit. Those losses in this building. It's happening again. Right? The Kings need to find a way to be the best version of themselves in this building because right now, statistically, they are a better team on the road. I think they do have a better win percentage at home than they do on the road, which is to be expected, but especially defensively, the Kings are much better on the road than they have been in, at home, and that goes back to last season as well. The Kings were a better road team overall last season than they were a home team. I don't know if that's because of the, the, the Kings relying too much on the fan energy and not creating their own energy like they have to on the, the the floor, uh, or rather on the road. I don't know if it's because the Kings like being the antagonizers or the the villains that, that shut a crowd up versus fire a crowd up here in Sacramento. I don't know what the reason is, but the Kings play, including tonight, 17 of their final 28 games are in this building. So now 16 of their last 27 games will be here inside the Golden One Center. That's a perfect scenario for a playoff race. You're playing at home a lot. You need to defend this home floor. You need to be the best version of yourselves in this building. And that includes being able to put teams away or build leads, maintain leads, pull away and sustain leads longer and better than the Sacramento Kings have done in this season as a whole and in tonight's game against San Antonio. That being said... De'Aaron Fox's defense in the fourth quarter, his defensive play on Devin Vassell, who is absolutely torching the Kings, and my OG Locked on Kings listeners remember back in the Devin Vassell draft, which was when the Kings took Tyrese Halliburton, so it worked pretty good for the Kings overall. I really wanted the Kings to draft Devin Vassell and was mad at the Spurs when they grabbed him. Again, ultimately it worked out. I'm a big fan of Devin Vassell, so it didn't necessarily surprise me that he put over 30 points up on the Kings' heads tonight. That being said... He should not have been scoring and, and playing as well and having as, uh, as good of a night against the Sacramento Kings as, as he did. But in the fourth quarter, Devin Vassell completely beat De'Aaron Fox backdoor. And this is a, is a close game. It's a single possession game. Looks like Vassell's going to have an easy layup or dunk at the rim. De'Aaron comes flying in out of nowhere. Again, he's, he's beat, right? He's behind the play. By all means, he is out of the play. And we know the speed that De'Aaron Fox has, but it's that burst that he has. Suddenly comes out of nowhere. I don't know, honestly, if they ruled it a steal or ruled it a block. Whatever it was, it was one of the best defensive plays, certainly of De'Aaron Fox's career. I'd probably call it the best defensive player of De'Aaron's career. One of the best defensive plays 
I've ever seen. And honestly, I truly put that clutch defensive play for De'Aaron Fox up with all of the clutch buckets that he he hit last year and has hit this year when he last year, of course, won the clutch player of the year. I put it up there with like his tip dunk uh, in Miami, the game winner tip dunk, the game winners that he's hit throughout his career. Like I think it was that big of a moment. And it's great to see. Look, De'Aaron Fox leads the Kings in scoring tonight, right? Fox, 28 points, super efficient, 12 of 18 from the field, five rebounds, nine assists, two steals, one block, all over the stat sheet. And as great as his scoring is, we love to see his scoring. To see him really, truly have the game-winning moment be with that steal. Now, granted, he hit a three before that steal, a really big three to, I think, give the Kings the lead back or tie the game up. It was something like that. And then after that steal, he hit a pull-up mid-range jumper to, to really create some separation and pretty much put this game on ice. But Fox did it offensively too. But that defensive moment is what's going to stick out with me. And it's like, it's the idea that if De'Aaron can be the superstar scorer, an MVP caliber scorer that he showed to be earlier on in the season, that he showed to be in the playoffs last year against the Warriors. Like we know Fox has that to his game and he's virtually unstoppable and he said himself, like he can get any shot he wants on the floor, period. But if he can add massive defensive plays and defensive moments and clutch spots like he did tonight to that clutch player mantra or, or complex that he has, Good Lord. Like, it's just another element, another level to De'Aaron Fox's superstardom. That was a superstar defensive play that the Kings don't win this game, in my opinion, if he does not make that stop. So shout out De'Aaron Fox. And of course, shout out to Monta Sabonis playing through an illness, right? He was he came into tonight's game being doubtful, a game time decision. Went through warm-ups. The Kings elected to let him play. De'Aaron Fox said post-game actually that. Uh, that he said, yeah, don't, there was no way Domas wasn't playing. Like, he said he was going to play. He was a game-time decision, but we all knew he was going to play. Like, Domas is not feeling 100%. Like, he's battling an illness. I don't know if it's the bug that I got and my family got going around because, my goodness, there is a illness going around Sacramento right now, and it sucks. I hope DeMontis Sabonis doesn't have what I had for a couple days during the All-Star break. That being said, he's a stronger man than I. While I'm lying in bed in the fetal position, he's out there battling Victor frickin' Wimbenyama and doing what he does best, which is putting up a triple-double. 22 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. Also had a block in the very beginning of the game. He blocked Victor Wimbenyama. 6'10", DeMontis Sabonis blocked 7-4 Victor Winbanyama. Now, this was the first time that I, I got to see Victor play in person. Oh, my God. Right? Like, he didn't do a lot on the floor that really impressed me, but to just see this man in person, like, I got to be on the floor during warm-ups and stand within, like, 10 feet of the guy, it's ridiculous how tall that man is. I was also blown away, too. Like, Zach Collins is a really, really tall dude as well, and both Keegan Murray and DeMontis Sabonis put Zach Collins on a poster in the fourth quarter. It was pretty awesome. Two back-to-back -back dunks within like a minute span. Poor Zach Collins was just down there getting dunked on twice in a row. But seeing Victor Winbanyama in person, what a just unbelievable athletic physical creature that that man is. Like the alien emoji is a real deal. That man is absolutely an alien. Tonight, he was impressive. 19 points. Took 21 shots to get those 19 points. Went 8 of 21 from the field, 13 rebounds, 5 steals. Now, DeMondis Sabonis' stat line, even though he had a triple-double, is not massively, monstrously better than Victor Winbanyama. But here's another instance of one of the top centers in the league, your favorite NBA center, getting cooked and getting outplayed by 
Domas, who went right into him from the very beginning. Like, DeMontis Sabonis started out this game blocking his shot, scoring on Wimby, and then a couple possessions later, going in the post one-on-one with Wemby, going right into his chest, beating him back, uh, uh, like, behind the basket and into the restricted area, and then finishing at the rim. Right? Domas is not as tall or as long as Wemby. That is obvious, but he's way stronger than Wemby is. Granted, that's to be expected. Wemby is a rookie coming into the league. Domas is in his prime, full-grown man. It's expected that Domas would play better than when Benyama did tonight. So I'm not saying it was out of nowhere that Sabonis outplayed Wemby this, this big. I'm just saying, add Wemby to the list of NBA superstar bigs that everybody loves to talk about that Domantas Sabonis keeps outplaying, and more importantly, the Kings keep beating when Sabonis is outplaying them. Here's my favorite number of the night. Talk about leading by example for De'Aaron Fox on the defensive end of the floor. De'Aaron Fox and Demonte Sabonis combined for 20 of Sacramento's 29 assists. Fox led the team in scoring. Demonte Sabonis was had 22 points. Right, the Kings had four players finishing in, in, with 20 plus points. Kevin Herter and Malik Monk being the other two. I think Keegan Murray also had 16. But you have your, your two leading scorers who also led the team in assists. Like. 20 out of 29 assists coming from your two stars, that's awesome. That's getting your teammates involved while also getting yours. Beautiful ball movement, beautiful execution by those two. You love to see it. Now, I'm going to play for you uh, Kevin Herter, Mike Brown, and De'Aaron Fox talking about De'Aaron Fox's clutch defensive play there uh, at the end of that uh, Kings win. That, I mean, that was that was one of the freakish defensive plays I think I've ever seen that up close like for him to be beat like that back door recover to it jump in the air and then find and be able to palm the ball like that as he's going out like that was that was a ridiculous defensive play and uh, a handful of guys across the league that can make that and uh, Vassell was Vassell was tough all night um, but Fox made a made a huge play when we needed it and um, you know on, on both sides of the ball he made plays for us but that was that was a crazy defensive play for for Foxy uh to come up with that play defensively, especially at that point in the game, was huge um, because he didn't quit. We were able to we were able to execute down the stretch, and that was big for us. Obviously, uh, Devin hit some tough shots, and I mean he he was great all night long uh, from from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. And uh, for me, I mean I was trying to deny, and he's a good cutter, so he got back door, and uh, it's just not giving up on the play. Um, it was either you do that or you try to follow him. Don't let don't let him get his arms up. But uh, I just went for the ball and was able to get the ball. Were you surprised that you were able to get it? Oh, uh, I mean, I wasn't surprised, uh, but I feel like I have pretty good recovery speed, and um, I knew that he was going for the dunk. So like, there wasn't much movement that was probably going to happen. So uh, like I said, I just swung and I was able to get it. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Sackyard Community Tap House, our wonderful local sponsor here of the Locked On Kings podcast. If you weren't here inside the Golden One Center watching the Kings light the beam, hopefully you are at Sackyard. It's the second best place to watch a game. Yes, it's better than your couch. Why? Because not only do they have an incredible amount of TVs and very comfortable seating with great angles all over, not only do they have a wonderful outdoor patio that's perfect year-round, misters in the summer when it's hot, fire pits in the winter when it's cold. Not only do they have an amazing selection of draft beers and local wines for you to try, plus great food trucks that come through with amazing food all the time. On top of all of that, 
it's in the name, the community, right? Your community of Sacramento Kings fans is where you can go and connect with your fellow fans to watch the game. Hey, while the Kings are on the road for their uh, the, the, during this playoff race, that is the place for you to go to be locked into all of Sacramento's action. I really, really appreciate Sackyard Community Tap House, not just because of the amazing establishment that they have and how much love and support they've shown the Locked On Kings podcast, but just because of how community-oriented and community-driven they are, right? They are plugged in in so many ways, not just with Kings basketball, so many different community events, so many events that they hold on the premises uh, of the, the sack yard as well. Uh, they every single week like host a, a run club who gets together, runs together, which sounds awful, but I have no cardio at all, and then gets together and gets some drinks and hangs out afterwards. They support local artists with live music there all the time. I mean, it's just an unbelievable place to take your family, which includes your pets, to go out and just have a drink, enjoy your friends, enjoy your community here in Sacramento. Sackyard Community Tap House is your home of the Locked on Kings listener, and make sure you mention Locked on Kings for 10% off your tab. Locked on Kings is also brought to you by Prize Picks, America's number one way to play daily fantasy sports with over 3 million members. I am one of those 3 million members, and there are a lot of Sacramento Kings media members and a lot of Sacramento Kings fans who make up those 3 million members. It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, period. The way it works, you pick more or less on two to six player stat projections. You're just going against the numbers, right? You're not going up against anybody else, whether it's your friends in, in kind of a hobby scenario or those sharks uh, out in Vegas who, 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 who make a living off of something that's just supposed to be fun, right? Don't have to worry about them. Just the prize picks, statistical projections. You can pick more or less on how many points De'Aaron Fox is going to score or a combination of points, rebounds, and assists for DeMontis Sabonis or how many uh, block shots Victor Wimbanyama is going to have. Like, There's so many different creative and fun ways to play prize picks. Plus, they have something that no other uh, daily fantasy sports platform is doing. They have basically like a, a fail-safe, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Essentially, let's say I picked... Uh, DeMondis a bonus for something tonight, right? And let's say that he played and started the first six minutes of the game, realized his illness was worse than he thought, and he just couldn't play through it, and he subbed out and was out for the rest of the game. Well, Price Picks is not going to penalize me because he didn't hit the more on his 26.5 points that I took. They're not going to do that at all. If he, he's out in the first half, okay, you know what? He's done. It's a push. They knock that out. They don't penalize you for it. You still have a chance to win money and get all of your picks right. And look, if you pick uh, six points, uh, players and you get all those stat projections right, you can win a boatload of money. I'm talking 25 times your money. And even if you you go a step further further and go with their their demon picks, which are extra risky, extra crazy uh, stat projections, you hit those, you can win up to 100 times your money. Prize picks is so much fun. It's a chance for a major payday. And right now, if you go and sign up on Prize Picks, use our code Locked On NBA all lowercase, you can get a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Prize picks is so much fun. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA to play right now. Prize picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, I'm going to put on a little bit of a negative Nancy hat here and get into why part of tonight's game or a lot of tonight's game bothered me. Before I get into that, though, the context of, of what I want to play for you here I think is really, really important. After the game, I asked Mike Brown, De'Aaron Fox, and Kevin Herter about how this stretch right this this home stretch of the season this playoff race in the west where every single game is crucial 
how it can be just as impactful or just as important to the Kings developing into a playoff con- or rather uh, championship contender as if they were playing playoff games, right? Like we all think, okay, in order to the King f- to, to the Kings to get further on their playoff stage and closer to that championship goal, they have to actually win in the playoffs, right? And that's true to some extent, but that doesn't mean the regular season is as useless as some people want to make it out to be. This playoff race can be crucial to the Kings unlocking that next step or climbing that next run rung up the ladder to become a contender. But rather than hear me blab about it, why not hear from the head coach who's coached championship teams before and the players who are in the trenches every single day? Here's what they had to say about it. Mike, I think a lot of people naturally think to the playoffs and uh, as the way that this team can build upon last year and get closer to being a contender like you've talked a lot about. But can you share specifically how this final stretch of the season with how tight the West is and the race for even a playoff spot, how you can use that to also build to being a contender. Every time, you know, every time we step on the floor, because we're in a completely different situation than last year. You know, like I said, last year we were injury-free. There were no expectations. And so it was just happy-go-lucky, pat me on my back, feel good about what's going on, we'll take whatever comes our way. No pressure. This year is a little different, you know, coming into the season, there were expectations and, you know, we talked until we were blue in the face to our guys that, uh, and everybody else said, at the end of the day, we probably put more expectations on ourselves than anybody else. But you can still, you know, everybody's human. And if you haven't been in this position before, especially in the, especially in the position that you're in individually, uh, i.e., Malik Monk, never been in this position before uh, in terms of how much we need him and how much his impact helps this team. But he's never been in this position before uh, being the hunted with the expectations and, and then dealing with the injuries that we've dealt with. Fox has Thomas, Kevin Herter. I mean, you can go down the line. The one guy that may, HB, might have been in this position before, but not many of our guys. And so every time we step on the floor, from, especially from this point forward, because of where we're sitting in the standings, it's a different feeling that they haven't gone through. And, and we have to perform at a high level to get a win just to get into the playoffs. So we're fighting for our, our lives right now. And it's great because it's the, we, you need experience in order to grow. And sometimes you need adversity in order to grow. And that's the best or the quickest way you'll be able to learn by going through something, falling on your face, and getting up and, and figuring it out. You know, because that's when it stings the most. So I, I like all this stuff for us. We, we need it. Uh, we're going to embrace it. And at the end of the day, I believe this group can get it done. Fox, the importance of these games down the stretch speak for themselves. But I'm curious, obviously, the goal is to get back to the, the playoffs to build off of last year's playoff series. But in your mind, and maybe if Mike's talked about it, how important is this stretch in the Western Conference race and how significant all these games are to, you think, building to where you guys want to get to that contendership status? I mean, it's it's huge. You Obviously, you know, there are, there are different spots where you can – come after all-star break and you could be fighting for a playoff spot or you can come after all-star break and you can be counting the days down until the game until the season's over um and with the way that the west is right now um every obviously at the beginning of the year every game matters but right now you can win one game or lose one game and you can move up or down three or four spots like that's that's how close it is right now and we know that every game is important that's what i said um 
sometimes I, you'd, I mean, you'd always rather a win than a loss, no matter how they come. But especially right now, you'd rather that. Uh, but you try to build as much momentum as you can going into that first round of the playoffs, and then there, there's there's no stopping right now. It's you know you're 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 in a full throttle right now. Some people think the the regular season is is meaning less and less and less. Of course, you guys want to get back to the playoffs and and build off of last season. But how important is this stretch and the rest Western Conference race to you think? building and developing this team into the contender that you want to become? Yeah, we, we got to use every practice, every game to do that. Uh, more consistent across the board. And we've beaten the best teams this year, and we've, we've lost to some of the some teams that are struggling this season. So uh, I just think continuing to find that consistency night in and night out, the urgency to show up, uh, especially doing the little things at home in front of our own crowd is, is huge for us. And uh, like I said, we'll take it one game at a time, but everyone is big. So I came into tonight's game like I said, expecting a win, absolutely expecting a win. I was not going to accept anything less, right? And you best believe I would have not been a happy camper here on Locked on Kings had the Kings lost tonight's game, but they won. That being said, I confess myself unimpressed, right? For some of the reasons I talked about earlier, the Kings' inability to pull away from a team like San Antonio at home, for it to be as close as it was, for it to follow the pattern of, of keeping a team in it, giving them hope, giving them hope, giving them hope, instead of just kind of crushing them, stepping on their throats, for lack of a better term, and just just commanding the game and, and sending a message, right? I loved how well the Kings started the second half quote-unquote second half of last season when they came out of the all-star break and silenced the haters silenced the doubters people said you know what the kings have never been in this playoff race position before they're not going to hold on to the third seed there are experienced playoff teams behind them that are biting at their heels the kings are going to be in trouble in this final stretch and sacramento granted i don't remember how close their games were on that eight game stretch that they had where they were playing really really well coming out of the all-star break but sacramento sent a message to the rest of the league that they belonged in that third spot they held down the, the, that spot, and, and really I think it was that push to start the, again, second half of the season that helped them secure it, or really secured it for them. I think the Kings are going to need a similar kind of start to this second half in order to have a chance at a top six seed and making the playoffs outright. So I was hoping for more tonight, and I, and I admit maybe this is more my nervousness and my anxiety and anticipation when looking at the West and how crazy I think this race is going to be and how crazy it already is. I think I was more emotionally taking that into account than I was logically thinking about tonight's game. Like the the Spurs, despite the fact that they're the worst team in the West, they're not a pushover team, right? And they're coming off of the all-star break and getting the rest just like the Sacramento Kings did, right? So I wanted the Kings to come out and send a message to the rest of the league tonight, beat the brakes off the Spurs, come out of the gate hot, take a commanding lead and maintain that commanding lead and, and stamp their foot down and say, damn it, we're a playoff team in the West. We're not a play-in team. But the reality is there was no way. Like I almost wanted the Kings to do something that was as close to them securing a playoff spot in one game, even though that's not even close to mathematically possible. It's almost like I wanted them to do that when – Logically and realistically, they never could do that. So I admit my shortcomings, right? I, I admit that the way I'm feeling doesn't necessarily make sense. But watching this game, going through it, I just I felt like the Kings were the better team, of course. They played well. Fox and Sabonis played really, really well. Kevin Herter had a great night. Malik Monk and, and Keegan Murray had good moments, right? Like, there's, there's plenty from this game to be positive about, like we've already talked about on this podcast. But 
I just wanted more. I needed more. I just wanted to see the Kings send a bigger message. And you know what? Maybe the message is on standby. Maybe it's on hold. Maybe it's a draft. Because maybe that message is going to be sent on Sunday when the Kings take on the Los Angeles Clippers. As it stands right now, the Kings are still a play-in uh, play team. I think there's a little bit of a shift in the standings. I think the, the, the Dallas Mavericks leapfrog the Phoenix Suns. Uh, so the Suns, I think, are now in seventh, and the Mavericks are in fifth or sixth, and the Pelicans are still up there. Regardless, like I was trying to think, like which team, if the Kings are going to move into the top six, which I think is a very possible scenario, I'm trying to think which team falls out. Maybe the Suns, maybe the Pelicans, although I don't think it's going to be the Kings knocking the Pelicans out because the Kings have struggled against the Pelicans this season. I guess it's more likely that the Pelicans, with the lack of experience and the star power compared to the Suns, they fall out, but I don't know. But I saw some people talking about this, and, and I, I made this joke earlier this season. If the standings, the top of the standings held, if the Kings make it out of the play-in spot and get to the sixth seed, right, they secure the playoffs outright, they don't have to play the play-in game. Definitely cause for celebration, right? But as of right now, the team in the third seed is the Los Angeles Clippers. So the Kings would, hooray, you avoid the play-in. Here's a series against an L.A. Clippers team that has dominated you this season. I know some people are making the joke, like, I'd almost rather be a play-in team to avoid the Clippers, and then if you win a, a play-in spot, you're either taking on, like, the, the Timberwolves or the Thunder, who are the top two th teams, I believe, right now. Like, I get that, and I it's, it's, like, it's kind of a joke, and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but also it's kind of not. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Like, do you think it would be strategically better for Sacramento to take the risk of the play-in tournament to avoid the Clippers in the opening round or just get into the playoffs outright? If you get the Clippers, you're going to be the underdog. Figure it the heck out, right? I think that's the better option, but how do you feel about that? Let me know at MattGeorgeSack on Twitter. Email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com, and leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. But the Kings have another crack at the Clippers Sunday. Hopefully it goes better than the other couple meetings uh, have been against Los Angeles so far. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by something very important to me. It's BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an amazing sponsor that makes therapy, makes mental health more uh, important and makes it easier to get the help that you need, right? Therapy is something that I take very, very seriously. Mental health is something I take very, very seriously because I was maybe like you. I was like a lot of people where I had that 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 taboo stigma of therapy where it's like, okay, I'm going to lie on a couch and somebody with a clipboard is going to ask me questions about myself and I'm going to stare at the ceiling and answer them in a, in a weird and psychological way. Like... I, I, like we see in the movies, right? And I also felt like, hey, my problems, like I'm not, I don't deal with any kind of severe issues. I don't have severe childhood trauma or anything like that. Like ultimately, like therapy's not for me because my problems aren't big enough. Well, turns out I had problems that were plenty big. Any problem is big and good and, uh, and worth talking to a licensed professional about. But on top of that, like there are things that they'll help you unpack, the baggage that you're carrying that you didn't even realize is weighing you down. Well, if you've been, ever been thinking about giving therapy a try or if you're going through anything and you need to talk to somebody, getting connected to a therapist can be difficult. BetterHelp makes it incredibly easy, not just because they have a, a huge database of licensed therapists that are out there available to help you, but they help you on your time, right? We're all incredibly busy and sometimes it's hard in the middle of the week to find an hour to just talk to somebody, right? BetterHelp 
works around your schedule, gets you connected with licensed professionals. And one of the best parts about BetterHelp is if you get connected to a therapist and it just doesn't click, maybe you're not bonded with them, you're not seeing eye to eye, whatever it may be, right? We're still talking to other human beings. We need to have that connection. They're not going to penalize you for that. They're not going to charge you while you go and find another therapist. They'll help you switch for no extra cost. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, I urge you to try BetterHelp. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Go to BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. Before we wrap up, really quickly want to talk about a couple of things. The first being Kevin Herter. It was nice to see Kevin Herter come out of the All-Star break and look like his sharpshooter self. He had his first four three-pointers in tonight's game, finished with 21 points, five of eight from three-point range, and five assists. Look, you're not going to get 21 points a night from Kevin. Anytime you do get it, hopefully you're winning like the Kings did tonight. But that five of eight three-point shooting, that coming out of the gate, making an impact on the perimeter, and not having to dominate the game to do so, right? It's not like Kevin had a bunch of plays drawn up for him. It's not like Kevin was demanding the basketball or changing what De'Aaron Fox or DeMontis Sabonis or anybody else was trying to do. He got his shots within the flow of the offense. If the Kings have the better version of Kevin Herter, right, the sharpshooter who's knocking down close to 40% of his three-pointers throughout the remainder of this season, I really like their chances to make the playoffs. That's something they seriously have lacked consistently this season overall, and it's certainly something they lacked in a major way during the playoff series against the Warriors last year. Kevin Herter, whether you feel he's on the outs or not with this Kings team, whether his days in Sacramento are numbered or not, and whether he's going to be traded this offseason or not, he's on the team now. The Kings are trying to win right now, and the best version of the Sacramento Kings features Kevin Herter knocking down three-point shots. Now, one of the things I love about Kevin, I didn't play this audio for you, but Kevin, in his post-game press conference, was asked about just the defense and the perimeter defense by the Kings. And by himself, he basically put his hand up and said, look, I thought my defense was terrible tonight, but I was making shots, so I'm I'm glad my shots were going in. Kevin defensively has struggled this year, as have many other people, but Kevin at times has kind of been front and center of the defensive struggles of the Kings, so much so that he lost his starting job for a period of time, right? And he's been dealing with the frustrations of that, the confusion of that going back to the preseason But what I love about Kevin and what I love about that moment is here he is talking to the media after a a, a good game. He hasn't been able to do that too often this season. Comes, talks to the media after a good game and says, I was not good defensively. I need to be better defensively, right? What that says to me is, yes, you and I can be frustrated with how Kevin's playing defensively or when he's missing his shots. Mike Brown and the Kings coaching staff can be frustrated defensively with what Kevin is or isn't giving them. Nobody is going to hold Kevin Herter more accountable than Kevin is. He's not making excuses for himself. He might be frustrated that he feels like sometimes he's being singled out as the the scapegoat defensively when the Kings as a team have a clear defensive issue. But I really appreciate Kevin taking ownership, and it just makes me appreciate Kevin the teammate and Kevin the man even more. Like, I don't hate the idea, and I've never hated the idea of Kevin being a long-term piece of hopefully a championship team here in Sacramento. Maybe not as the starting two, but if Kevin Herter is part of this team going forward, I have a hard time feeling like that's a bad thing for Sacramento in the locker room and on the floor. Of course, if he continues to slightly improve as a defender while being that sharpshooter that the Kings need, there's always, in my opinion, going to be a place for him on this roster. But I really appreciated him bringing that up after the game. Speaking of three-point shooting... 
Sacramento's three-point defense. Mike Brown po- pointed this out in practice over the All-Star break, and it, it was mind-blowing to me and a lot of Kings fans. The Kings are the worst perimeter defensive team in the league, or one of the worst. Like, historically, one of the worst three-point defensive teams in NBA history. Just bad, 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 bad. Once again tonight, they were beat bad on the perimeter. The San Antonio Spurs shot 44% from three-point range, 11 of 25. Not as bad as we've seen it. We've seen it in the 50s uh, not too many times over the course of this season. But still, over, uh, way above average for the Spurs from three-point range tonight against the Kings. It's a problem, right? And Mike pointed out that with the Kings' defensive improvements in other areas, if the Kings were just league average defensively from three-point range, they would be eighth in the league defensively. That's how big of an issue Sacramento's three-point shooting is. I mean, it, it speaks for itself how bad those numbers are and how low they are in the, the league rankings in three-point defense. But if they correct that, not make it the best in the league or one of the best in the league, just league average, this Kings team is a top 10 defense. That's both encouraging and discouraging because your problem is right there in front of you. You fix it, you are in great shape. The problem is, the problem is so bad, you don't know how to fix it. And truth be told, I don't think there's anybody on this roster. I don't think the Kings have the personnel overall as a team to be able to fix it. I just think their size, their lack of length, and their rotations and how they play, this Kings team is just not going to be a good perimeter defensive team. And hope to God that doesn't kill you as bad as it potentially can and maybe will in the playoffs. But it's a problem right now. A big problem. I don't need to point that out to you or I don't need to sell you on why like it's it's pretty obvious the kings if the kings hold opponents to to average to below average shooting nights from three-point range they have a great chance of winning every single night but more often than not even in wins like we see tonight more often than not they're giving up way too high of a percentage from the perimeter and we've seen it cost the kings a lot this season and i think it's going to cost the kings a lot at times over the course of this playoff race if they don't correct it we'll see how that goes on sunday against the clippers of course We'll have a Locked on Kings podcast after that game. I'm, I'm working to get back into the flow, back into the consistent rotation and volume of Locked on Kings podcast for all of the final 27 games this season. I plan on having post-game pods for you, the build-up to the playoffs, everything in between. Make sure you keep it locked on to Locked on Kings. See what I did there? I appreciate your support. Thank you for all of you who came to the game tonight, who stopped by, said hi, said hello. I'm always at the top of Section 105 if you're at a game in the future. Again, 16 home games remaining this season, so I'll be at all of them. Come by, say hi. Would love to chat with you in person. I appreciate your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.